There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Mind Your Own Podcast with Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin. Where we stick to sports, except when we're not. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Own Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Sasha. And we are back after a few-week unintentional hiatus to which we apologize. It was not planned. Life just unfortunately happened uh, between both just personal and work. Did not mean to leave you all hanging. So we are very sorry. Apologies. Apologies. Many apologies. (laughs) I mean, full transparency. Our podcast may be on a bit of a different schedule for a few weeks still. It could be every other week. We're still kind of figuring things out. So if you do not see an episode one week, do not worry. It is likely because we had to change our plans or schedules. The unfortunate reality, and I don't want to, I don't want to say unfortunate. It's not unfortunate. <laughs> um, part of it is, is Sasha and I just have really busy work schedules to begin with. Like mm-hmm. she is constantly producing other shows beyond just this one. And so her, her schedule is pretty jam packed, but then on top of it, I have a pretty jam packed schedule. Thankfully things are a little bit lighter now that spring football has ended, but of course, I went and had to have something go on with one of my eyes. And for that, I am having to see an eye doctor fairly regularly. And of course, the one time he can see me is during our recording time, which throws a wrench into things. So it just makes life a little more interesting. <laughs> it's it's a fluid situation. We'll put it that way. <laughs> yes. Fluid. I mean, seasons of life. Mm -hmm. It is very much seasons and we are, we are going through it with the podcast. So we apologize if like it throws, I know that's like, I know that's like, not like, that's like podcast one-on-one where people are like consistency. And I totally Mm. get that. We will get more consistent, but like sometimes seasons of life just don't allow the consistency you need for me. I didn't expect I mean, long story short, I won't bore everyone listening to what exactly happened, but there was a scare for a couple of days. Basically what happened is a Saturday night. I started to essentially feel like I was getting an ocular migraine. If anyone gets migraines Mm. and you get the ocular migraines, that is kind of what I thought was happening, but those don't last more than maybe a half an hour to an hour at most. Mm -hmm. Anything longer than, than that starts to become a concern. Mine lasted for two days. In fact, it's still it's still lasting right Mm -hmm. now. But like at that point, it was like, got to get this figured out. Um, I have previously had LASIK. So, of course, I started there. They thought it sounded like an ocular migraine, too. But for them, they're you know, that they can't do anything for that. So they're sending me to my primary physician. He sees me and he does an eye test. The second he kind of goes through some of the like just general stuff like I had never noticed this. And fun fact, if you get ocular migraines, you actually see the like circle out of Mm -hmm. both eyes. Even if it feels like it's just out of one eye, you see it out of both. Yeah. So that is a sign to them that it is a migraine. It's something going on um, mentally or I don't know. In your brain. Yeah. In your brain (laughs) and not with your eyes. Yeah. When they know it's something with your eyes is when they do the eye test where they do one eye versus the other. And if you can only see it out of one eye, that means this is going on there. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. And he's like, I need you to get an eye test within the next, like a legitimate, like eye test within the next 24 hours. The concern was a torn retina or a detached retina. And that can be very serious if Mm -hmm. not addressed quickly. This thankfully was not that, um, because they were like, prepare to go into surgery if you come in and that's what we determine. Thankfully it wasn't. Um, but instead I have this fun. It has a much longer name, but like general gist is it's called white dot syndrome. There's various little like offshoots of it. So I won't bore everyone with like the like big medical technical term of the one I have, but it's white dot syndrome. And essentially means I have white blood cells in my eye and I can see them. (laughs) Yeah. And I can also kind of see 
like right now my like retina and everything is it's healing. I can see like all of that happening. And so like, I have these like dark shadows. I have what looks like the only way I can explain it is like, if somebody took paint and threw it at a wall and like the splotchiness of it, that's what I'm seeing in my eye. Um, and the wild part about this is they don't know what causes it. They have no idea. They don't know if it's, they think it's viral. They think it's like a viral thing, which would explain the white blood cells, but it's so relatively new, which is wild. Like the first like known case of it was like in the mid eighties. And that feels like a long time, but it's really not for, for like scientific study to the point where my eye doctor even shared with me a study at the university of Iowa with them doing this. And the, the, what they were looking at is trying to understand if it's viral or the young, young woman they were looking at had previously been in a car accident. So they were trying to see if maybe trauma Mm -hmm. had like resurfaced in the eye. Obviously I have been in a bad car accident. So maybe that's part of it is trauma has resurfaced six years later. They don't know, but if I can offer anything to anyone listening to this podcast, whether you're a, a woman, if you're a man, whatever, something like this happens prominently in, in young women. It's like pretty common in like, I think they said like 18, I think it's like women aged 18 to 50, but it prominently happens in younger women, but it's, it's prominently with women. Mm-hmm. And there's not much you can do, but just what, let it like, let it ride. They have you come in for follow-ups and they just watch it mostly to make sure that like nothing more serious is happening because the ultimate goal is they don't want to see scarring. They don't want to see right. like permanent damaging ha- damage happen. There's not like a ton that they can do, but like just constant observation is about what, what is possible right now. The reason I say this is an important message for everyone whether it is your eyes or anything else. And I understand we are all in different places. Like health insurance does not make it easy to go to the doctor all the time. So I am not encouraging you just to go put yourself into debt. If you know, whatever, that is a whole separate thing with like healthcare in the United States. The fact that you should be able to go see a doctor when you need to. But if you are able, if you have something where you're like, I'm just not sure about this, this feels off. This doesn't feel right. If you are able, please go see a doctor or go see someone because those the quickness and time timing of time sometimes is of the essence that if you can go. Yeah. And I, I, I bring this up because I even saw on TikTok a, a person who shared a video of like for my whole life, I thought I had this just like really cool, like thing on my nail. It was like this, like brown strip. And they finally went to the doctor and found out it's cancer. It's melanoma underneath their nail. Wow. And so another person responded and was like, your TikTok saved my mom's life. Because wow. she had something similar on her toenail and we caught it just in time. So the lesson here is if something is going on and it seems strange or it doesn't seem normal or you don't know how to explain it, if you are able, please go see a doctor. And I, I use that like if you are able very like I, I want to encourage people to always go get checked out if they can. But I understand health insurance in this country is a nightmare. So I don't want to like I don't want to like put people in positions where they're like, I can't do that. But long story short, if you are able, please go get things checked out when you, when you notice them, because a lot of the time, a lot of times we get busy and we're just like, Oh, mm-hmm. I'll worry about this later. I'll worry about it later. And then it becomes something more concerning or it becomes a bigger issue. Um, but I digress to say health insurance and healthcare should yeah. be more accessible in this country because you should be able to go get looked at if you need to. Like it is so frustrating anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry. I, that was not what I expected to talk about this morning, <laughs> but I just needed to say it. <laughs> it's true though. Like this isn't the exact same thing, but, um, two weeks ago, um, Brian and I went to a drop-in game because it was in between sessions for hockey and he didn't want to play initially. And he's like, well, screw it. It'll be something just like, you know, instead of just sitting at home tonight and we went and he broke his shoulder, um, (laughs) like chipped it right where, well, broke it. I mean, a piece broke off, but right where the rotator cuff muscles attach to your shoulder. And so now he's in a sling and he can't play hockey and he can't play golf for at least 16 weeks. He goes in for x-rays, um, the day after we record this podcast to find out when he can start physical therapy, but oh, yeah, no. not something that, um, you expect just cause you're going out to do something fun, but yeah, <laughs> oh my everyone's gosh. doing health stuff. And so now I'm like scared, not scared, but like very 
not aggressive out there because I'm like, I the last thing I need is to like break something or yeah. I know. Oh, that stinks. That yeah. and those are thankfully the of- doesn't need surgery. Like thankfully. that's the one thing. It's just so crazy how things can happen just so unexpectedly. I know somebody whose son was just like laying in a hammock and fell out and just, of course, like broke his collarbone. Just like mm-hmm. it was, it was nothing. It was like, just like sitting there minding their own business yeah. falls. And there you go. I, yep. you know, it is just one of those things where if you can only do so much, but take care of yourselves as much yes. as you can, but yes. also, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's been, I feel really bad that that sucks. Cause like to not be able, is it his like writing hand and everything? Yeah. It- yep. It's his right hand. Yep. And it was That's just nice. like a freak thing. Like he caught a, he caught an edge and just fell like right against the boards awkwardly on his shoulder. And it happened to break. Oh my gosh. That what are the just gosh, yeah. love it's, life. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> well, we hope for everyone else listening to this life has been a little bit more kind to you recently. Um, <laughs> It has kind of been a wild few weeks. For instance, I was sending Sasha when we were trying to figure out what we were going to talk about for this episode. I was just, there's just so much to kind of rehash. So like, I don't know. We'll just see where this podcast goes. The one thing I will say is um, I was very fortunate enough to go to the women's final four and national championship Mm -hmm. game in Minneapolis. And it was a great experience. I will say if I were to provide any feedback, the NCAA still has work to do as far as hosting that event for the women. And um, I'm not saying this to be like the, the reality is, is like change has been made. There was a lot of positive around the fact that they were able to use the March Madness branding. Mm-hmm. Um, there were like 18, the, the place was sold out for, for these games. I mean, tickets on su- Sunday for Sunday night's championship game tickets were going for like, if not more. So like the interest and demand was there. People showed up. It was great. Um, I do think the venue, the target center in Minneapolis is obviously built as a basket It's built for basketball, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if I would say it was fully ready for the amount of media that showed up. It credentialed 600 people that were non ESPN. Wow. Um, then ESPN added like another 400 or so this is coming from, um, I really appreciated her doing this. I'm going to, um, go share her information. You can go look her up, but Lindsay Gibbs, uh, behind power plays, uh, she was the one who did a little like media research on this. Mm -hmm. So she went and looked at this year compared to past years. Definitely media interest was way higher. Now, part of that was also because it was in Minneapolis and you had, uh, Paige Beckers, who is on UConn's team. She's originally from Minneapolis. So there's a lot of local interest as well, but it doesn't really matter. There was a lot of just national interest. People wanted to be there, wanted to see this. Uh, South Carolina was a, is a very interesting team. Um, so I digress. There was a lot of media there, and I think it was probably a little bit overwhelming to the Target Center because mm-hmm. they have a true press area, but like to get to it, you have to go up one elevator, get off that elevator, go to another elevator and go up. So like to get out of that area, especially when you're sharing those elevators with fans, is nightmare inducing to the fact point that like I didn't even go sit in my seat. I stayed in this overflow seating in the lower bowl area because mm-hmm. I was like, this is much easier for me to get, get around if I need to. Um, but I mean, for reference point, I think like the men's side credentialed like a thousand media that wasn't a CBS Turner. And I think, I don't remember exactly. I saw comparable numbers, but like when you think about the fact that like the men's was held in a football stadium, Mm -hmm. so there's a, it's a much bigger venue to begin with, but the difference was like, 600 to a thousand total media credentials. Yeah. It kind of just shows you the interest that was clearly there for the women's game. Um, I'm sure they will continue. I mean, I hope fingers crossed they continue to make improvements and I'm not just talking with the media. I'm just talking with the way things work. Mm-hmm. For instance, like the podium and like the team interviews and stuff was literally in the middle of the media room. So like if you had people who are working, you have interviews at the podium happening and all that was separating them from like the area where you eat and the area where people are working is just big, um, black. Oh, those room divider things. Oh yeah. And it was like fine. But then like for the breakout sessions, they definitely were not expecting the interest. They definitely were not expecting the interest because they just put them in like a row, like one after another with like the dividers. And so you could hear everything only about like four or five TV cameras could be on one player at a time. And they were like, 
over the 30 minutes we have with each player, you, excuse me, you are just going to have to like bump, like just like move around. Like you're going to have to bop around. You can't stay in one place for too long. And that's, that's tough because what if the one person you want to talk to is the one like you're having a hard time getting in, Mm -hmm. getting in there to see them. So the whole thing was just kind of like ton of progress made, but I would definitely say it is not a like wrap it up, call it a day. We're good to go. Like there definitely needs to be improvements going forward. Um, Good start. It was a good start, really enjoyable, but still the NCAA has room to grow. And I think that starts with picking the venues that make the most sense Mm -hmm. for the events that you are hosting. Like, the target center is great, but the target center, I I cannot, like I was explaining this to someone recently. Yes. The target center hosts a lot of events like concerts Mm -hmm. and obviously the Minnesota Timberwolves and they, they have media. This isn't new to them, but the difference is, is like the, the people who show up to cover the Minnesota Timberwolves is very different than the people who show up for a final four national championship game. It is a completely different experience. Yep. That is not on the target center. The target center is doing its best based on what it has available to it based on the setup it has for it is for its true purpose all the other times. Mm-hmm. So in the future, that's probably something the NCAA needs to look at is like when we pick a venue or when we go into the venue, how do we make this the most like, accessible, the most fan and media friendly place, because I I mean, like I even felt like I kind of went and took some like stock of like how the different, like, excuse me, I keep saying the word like, but I went and was looking at the uh, merchandise areas like where you can go buy shirts and all these other things. And something I thought was really, really fascinating is they had more of those open on Friday for the final four, but closed some of them for the championship game on Saturday, but there were more people in the arena on, or excuse me, on Sunday. So I'm like, why did you close some of them? So the lines were horrifically long. They ran out of, they ran out of so much merchandise very, very quickly. And I remember on Friday overhearing one of them say, we work for, we work for the target center. We do not work for the NCAA. They have not given us any insight if we're going to get more. We don't know. I just think like this was probably, I hope a learning lesson for the Mm -hmm. NCAA that the interest is there. Yeah. If you build it, they will come and clearly people showed up. So purchase more gear, Mm -hmm. get people the stuff that they want. Like clearly if you have it available, they're going to buy it, have more merchandise spaces open. Don't close those on the national championship game. When you have more people more in people. the building, yeah, it, it was just really, it's stuff like that where I'm like, those are little things that just are residual from what I would assume is like past championships. I mm-hmm. haven't had the ability to go to a previous championship like this. So like, I can't compare it directly, but like that felt residual to me. That felt like yeah. a carryover from the past. Just like, oh, well we had, we only had this many people and we only had, you know, in terms of fans or media. And then when you open it up, like you just said, like if you build it, people will come. People love going to sporting events, mm-hmm. period. So um, that sounds just like a little bit of oversight, you know, like, oh, okay. I really, <laughs> Hopefully I really now they know going this. forward. Yes. And I really appreciate this. I cannot feel life of me remember who said this, but after the spring game, I had a few different media people ask me how, the whole thing went and I explained Mm -hmm. exactly what I'm explaining here and I cannot remember it. It was, um, maybe it was Jimmy Watkins from the Omaha world Herald, but regardless, there was like probably like eight people I was speaking to. And I don't want to like miss, I don't want to like put words into someone's Mm -hmm. mouth, but I'm pretty sure it was he who said it because he was like, well, it just feels like that was something that the NCAA it just feels like an oversight on their part. Like, don't you, don't you do a venue tour? Don't you walk around and see how things don't you evaluate as you're going through things? Like, isn't it It almost comes across like, okay, we're throwing you this bone. Now you, now you can use final four. Um, so isn't that good enough? Like that's almost kind of what it, what it seems like. And then to not like the breakout sessions, And then having like interviews and things like that be like right next to where people are eating. Like I think of any, like any time I've worked um, for TV for like a Creighton game, they have an entire separate room for all of that stuff. (laughs) 
I know exactly what just happened. That's the best part of that. <laughs> There's a uh, major construction um, in our building. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> I've moved locations. So if you still hear some in the background, that's what that is. Sorry. <laughs> it sounds better, though. It really yeah. does. I mean, yeah, it it's right outside my office. <laughs> uh, I came in. I was in the office yesterday, but it, and it was it was something and Mm -hmm. I totally get it. Like they're, they're, they're trying to do their job. It's not like, it's not like I I'm upset that people are trying to do their job. It just was inconvenient timing. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But I guess what I was saying about the comment with the target center is Mm -hmm. I hope that the NCAA, I hope that the NCAA continues to, learn and adjust and evaluate based on the information that it has on its current events to do a better job going forward. Because was it, was it a good experience? Yes. Was it better than from what I understand has been the case in the past hundred percent, but that doesn't mean I don't think that there cannot be more done. It's just, it's just one of those things where it's going to continue to take time and energy, but people people show up like that's the that's the part for me that I keep going back to. This was the most attended women's final four and championship. Well, obviously knowing that this is the first year they say final four, but you everyone right. knows what I mean, yeah. like this is the first time the highest viewership since I think like 2000 and it's been a long time, like 2000. Yeah. I, I think I was 2004. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I think 2004 is standing out, but 2004 is also standing out to me because that was also the last time Nebraska had the spring game attendance that it had this year. So my brain is like, which one am I like? Yeah. (laughs) Everything is molding together. Um, But ESPN took this seriously and they did, they did that brought that the Super. they did the, specially broadcast which people like loved it just mm-hmm. goes to show when you take a little time and effort and you make you you put the energy into something people watch they enjoy and i am just going to say this i enjoyed watching women's basketball this year more than i enjoyed watching men's basketball yeah and something that drives me really really crazy about the conversation between men's and women's basketball is this need to compare the two and people always do this thing where they're like women's basketball is not as exciting as men it can't dunk they can't do all this stuff and first and foremost women's players can dunk they're tall enough for it i watched multiple women dunk in practices the women's game is just a different game Mm -hmm. than the men's game like it is it is a different they they're they're running different offenses to a degree like things are just different in the women's game like they are like if you're trying to make them the same if you're trying to be like this needs to be like this come on like right they don't do that with football you don't you don't you don't take the the high school game and be like oh i i can't watch high school football because it's it's just not as exciting as college like you don't do that and with, with football. You don't do that. All with- levels are different. High yes. school, like, come on, even that's actually with, when you think of basketball, high school basketball is different than college basketball, yeah. which is different than the NBA. Yeah. Same thing. College basketball for women or high school basketball for women is different than college basketball for women. It's different mm-hmm. than the WNBA. Things are different when you go from different Level. levels, from different sports. Like yep. the thing is, is like, I get really tired of. I get really tired of people feeling like this support for women's sports is somehow taking away from men's sports when it's Mm -hmm. not. And I brought this up because the university of Nebraska tweeted and shared on Facebook over the weekend that the KRNU team for the spring game. So KRNU is Nebraska's student radio station. Mm -hmm. They had an all women student broadcast crew. They were women coming from UNL, UNL, UNK. And of course, almost immediately it's met with people going, well, are they the most qualified? Are they even the most qualified? Do they know the game? I don't even think they know the game. They've never played it. And it's like, sir, you probably haven't either. either. (laughs) (laughs) And actually that's the thing for me. I work like 
so here's this all women's broadcast crew that's happening in one booth and you have all of these people bitching all and I, I'm going to just say it all of these white men bitching mm-hmm. like that is prominently who is complaining. Yep. And I'm looking around the press box and I am seated in a row. I'm seated in a row. I look entirely down to my right. Not a single woman or person of color to my right. I look to my left. There is not a single woman. There is one person of color to my left. That is it. That's your representation. So you're complaining about an all women's broadcast crew when I'm looking around and I'm like, yeah, no, I think white men are pretty well represented in this press box right now. Like they're not going anywhere. And that stuff drives me crazy because whenever we have these conversations about getting excited for women's sports or for women in sports, Mm -hmm. people always want to meet it with, well, they're just taking away from this. Like, is it the best people for the job? And what I always remind people of, and I, I don't think they get this when I am, when I am encouraging people to actively work, to build a more inclusive space, hire more women, hire more people of color. What I am not saying is stop hiring white men. I am saying we've got a big enough, we've got a big enough table. Why not just pull some more chairs up? Why not make this, why not bring some more voices to the table? Who am I asking to boot out in that process? No, no one. Zero. Like I'm, I'm adding doesn't you mean to... subtracting. <laughs> but people get so butthurt about it where they're yeah. like, oh, well, you're taking away from this. And it's like, you know, I sit in a press box with very talented people. Mm-hmm. Some of these people have never played the sport that they're watching right now. But because they are a man, they inherently somehow have some kind of like to. Right. They have some one up on me because, oh, well, you've never played football. Um, there, there are coaches who coach sports who have never played those sports, at least not at the level that they're coaching at. Um, I don't hear a whole lot of people complain about men coaching women's basketball. I don't hear a lot of people complaining about men coaching women's volleyball or women's soccer or literally anything. So then when we talk about women coaching, say men's basketball, people are all like, Oh, well, she doesn't know the game. She doesn't get it. And it's like, what's the difference? Like, right. Help me understand. Whoever's the most qualified for the job should be the one doing those things. And if that happens to be a person of color or that happens to be a woman, it doesn't make them less qualified just because of the pigment of their skin or the sexual organs they were born with. Correct. And like the, the, the thing that like really gets me about when people do that, where they're like, well, it should, they need to be the most qualified. Here's, I've done the research on this before and I don't have the updated numbers. So I don't want to speak like in specifics because I know my numbers are not hundred percent right, but I've looked at this in the past for different speeches and mm-hmm. things I've done speak when I've spoken to um, classrooms or when I've addressed people about this topic, when you look at a class, when you look at journal, the graduating class journalism classes, they're prominently, I, I think the number of the last time I looked was like, 55% women, 45% men, something like that. It was fairly close to an even split, mm-hmm. airing just a little bit more on women graduating out of these journalism colleges. I'm talking nationwide. I'm not talking yeah. about one specific place. Um, and now that number has probably changed a little here or there. So that's why I'm saying, please do not take these numbers as gospel because I know that they have changed. I just haven't looked them up. My point though, is what is concerning to me is when you have a fairly even split. So we'll say it's fairly even between yep. men and women in journalism classes. And I'm not just talking about sports. I'm talking about journalism as a whole. Yep. When we go and look at like what makes up newsrooms, who is applying for jobs, who is pursuing journalism after their after they earn their degree, it like it like shifts really significantly toward men. Like the yep. number is like oh my gosh, I I, I want to say it's like 80 yep. 20 something. I think that's about right. It basically more men are using their degrees in journalism than women. And so for me as a woman in sports, in journalism, I'm concerned about that because what is happening between college graduation and women earning this degree where they don't go into what they've, and there's a whole slew of reasons, Yep, but that's a big onion right there. That's something where I don't think people realize when they talk about this qualification thing is there are a lot of women who are qualified for the jobs that we're talking about, but they're not pursuing them for some reason. And it's either because the accessibility is not there for them. They don't see themselves as a viable option for that job. They're not being given the opportunities. I feel like if you go and you put out, in my opinion, if I go out and I put 
a job listing out and a hundred people apply based on what I know to be collegiate graduation rates of like who is in these colleges, it should be, you should be getting about 50% women, 50% men. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to promise you, if you have a hundred people that apply for something, especially in sports, you're getting like almost 90 men and probably yeah. 10 women. And of those 90 men, a prominent predominant amount of those are white men. And so when we talk about the most qualified, you do not know if you're getting the most qualified individuals right. because you're not even getting a full representation. You're not even getting a full pool of people who I know are qualified for mm-hmm. this job. So if you are one of those people who's applying for this job, don't you want to know that you actually are the best for it? Don't right. you want to know that you actually are the most qualified or do you just want it to be easy? Right. The, I mean, period. Like that's a mic drop right there. If, if it's about being easy, then that's something you should probably be sitting with because why do you want it to be easy? Nothing grows, changes, evolves, or goes to the next season without change. If there are, you know, and what I'm like trying to get at with that is there should be, you know, an even amount of people who are applying for these jobs Mm -hmm. and there shouldn't be anybody who's scared to apply for a job because of color of skin or gender period. Mm -hmm. It is so effing intimidating being a female and going out and pursuing those jobs just based on perception of Mm -hmm. women in those spaces. And I say women in those spaces, because that's, that's where my, I mean, that's my experience. Um, it, it can be absolutely intimidating mm-hmm. and it's not because of not being qualified. It's because I know how qualified I am. What if I don't get that job that I really want? And I know I'm qualified for just because I happen to be a woman. Yeah. And it's I'm, intimidating. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to explain something for everyone. So that group of women that were at, that were broadcasting for KRNU on Saturday, as, as a woman in sports who is much older than these women's and women, in some cases, I'm almost double some of their ages, um, or I'm getting pretty dang close. (laughs) Um, I was watching them on Saturday and every single one of them posted a photo of themselves on the sideline and saying it was a good day in Lincoln. But then another person said dreams came true today. So blessed to have worked with all of these women. Um, it, so I'm looking at all of these, they're like little me would have been so excited by this. And I'm looking at this, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I'm jealous of them. Yep. I'm jealous of this camaraderie <laughs> that they have with one another, because I don't think people realize like for me, And I know, Sasha, you have experienced this too, having been in this industry in a way so very alone. Like I grew up not seeing me. My, when people ask me, who are your role models growing up? I, the only names I can come up with that like I watched and saw a possible like path was Linda Cohn and Aaron Andrews. And you know why they were the people? It's because Linda Cohn came and hosted SportsCenter during the College World Series every summer. She was mm-hmm. in Omaha. I could see her at the desk in person. Erin yeah. Andrews was the sideline reporter during the College World Series game. So if I was at the game, I could see her. Mm-hmm. I could see her on the sideline. I could see her near the dugouts. And that was representation to me. But it's like, I did not, I did not see anyone. Now, there were a, a couple of women that were covering like sports when Mm -hmm. I was growing up. But to be honest with you, they were not prominent enough in my sphere for me to see and be like, Oh, that's what I want to pursue. That's super hard. When like, I hear, I hear men telling me it's, it's about who's the most qualified because for me, I, if you would have said, I would have told you that no woman was qualified when I was growing up. Cause like, I clearly there's no one for me to look at it. Yeah. And it's so like, it's, it's like, I I look at these young women now and I'm so jealous, but not in a way that I'm not like mad at them, but like, like, oh my gosh, like of that, of that camaraderie. And then, you know, I know that we've said this countless times on this podcast, but if you can see it, you can be it. Mm -hmm. And if I would have seen more of that, I wouldn't have taken so long to pick the degree that I ultimately really wanted to do. I would have gone straight to that versus trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. 
I already knew what I wanted to be, but I didn't have the, the confidence to pursue it because I didn't know if I'd succeed at it because I hadn't seen it enough. And I, I mean, I'll be honest with you when I talk about being a better person today than I was like 10, 15 years ago, (laughs) when I was in college, a lot of my existence was trying to be like that girl. Like I wanted to be, I wanted to be the one that all the guys thought was super cool because like, that was the thing. If, Mm -hmm. if you knew sports and you were a woman, like, oh, that was super cool. Like that was trendy. Like, look at her. Like you were the person that when someone was dating you, they'd be like, oh, you're so lucky because she knows sports. (laughs) And like, don't ask my husband about that. Because oh my gosh. He does not agree. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle but. will, one of two things. He'll either tell people that like, she know, like he'll either be like, she knows more than me. So like, just leave it be, or he'll like throw me under the bus on the stuff. I don't know, which is probably my favorite. He'll like sometimes test me on stuff. Not, I, I don't want to be, I want to be clear. He's not testing me on my knowledge. He knows I'm very smart when it comes to sports, yeah. but he'll do stuff like on a sport that I don't watch. Like I have like no sense yeah. of. He'll be like, do you know what they're doing right there? And I'm like, absolutely freaking not. Why would I have any idea what is happening right now? Um, it did the same thing though. Like I, I built my whole personality on being that girl, mm-hmm. which yeah. when I look back on it now makes me cringe, <laughs> but because yeah. it was something that I wanted so badly and I knew that I would be and could be good at it. I felt like I had to make it my whole personality or else people wouldn't take me seriously. Yeah. I felt like if I wasn't that person that people would think like, well, she's just, and you know what? Okay. This is my full circle moment right here on this. I also felt like I had to suppress pieces of myself to be who people wanted me to be. Like, I felt like I couldn't be the person who loved clothes and fashion, like very openly, because if that was me and here's the reality of that. And I don't love this stuff. This happened to me on Saturday. So I have been using my TikTok more to just kind of like, honestly, in the last couple of months, since I've like started using my TikTok more, I have found my voice and the things that I enjoy sharing in ways that I've never found on social media before. Mm -hmm. One of the things is I like doing outfits and I've noticed that people like to do the, like, help me pick my outfit with me. And I was like, Hey, I have a couple of different outfit ideas for Saturday. Let me just post this on TikTok and see what happens. It was really fun. Some people yeah. told me that they hated my pink blazer. And so therefore they're all really wrong because I loved that blazer. That outfit, um, by the way, <laughs> perfection. Like, Thank you. It was so fire. I was like, like when I grow up I in frumpy. Like, oh <laughs> they don't know one. No, <laughs> they're just it was wrong. actually amazing. They were like, you're too cute for this. You're it's too frumpy. And I'm like, oversized blazer, like a thing. Like yeah. I get I, I digress. I really appreciate that. I really like that blazer. I plan on wearing it in different ways because I really yeah. like the oversized blazer look right now. Um, but what ended up happening is I was walking into the stadium on Saturday and a person, a, a, a man who was surrounded by other men mm-hmm. passes me and goes, oh, you didn't go with your option one B. Of course, nobody around him has any oh idea. Oh, my God. But I love it. I like. OK, so I have to just say, though. He was making fun of me. Oh, okay. Well, that guy's a dick. Well, he like, at least that's how it came across to me. Now I had other people. This will make you happy. I had other people who were like, oh, I'm so glad you picked this one. So like that (laughs) stuff made me happy. Yeah. This one felt like I'm kind of picking fun at you because you are like, you went and did this thing on TikTok that people responded to. And I don't take that seriously. Yeah. And that is the part for me that when you don't have a camaraderie of other women or other people who are allies to you, you feel very isolated that when Mm. you do go share the other things that you find joy in, or you go get excited about, and somebody does that, it, it, it it discourages you from doing it ever again, because you suddenly feel like, well, I don't want to be made fun of. I don't want to be the butt of a joke, Mm -hmm. but women in sports and women in a lot of male dominated industries feel like they have to suppress a lot of who they are because you have to come across a certain way. Yeah. And if you don't come across that certain way, you're not serious. You're not, you're not taking this job seriously. You're not whatever. And it's Mm. just like, you know, let women exist. Seriously. And that's the other thing. Here's a couple like things that I've learned in the last two years. Um, Honestly, specifically, pursuing more and being more involved in, you know, fitness and, and health. (laughs) The amount of people who won't take you or refuse to, it's all men, sorry, but it is that don't take you seriously because you can't lift as much as them. 
Mm-hmm. And then like take, you know, and, and just like look at a body and assume anything about it, like can be discouraging. But what I've found for myself in the last, you know, year and a half is like, I don't really give a shit. If I can't deadlift 500 pounds, that's not my goal. Here's the other thing. Like let people like, we've said that we had a whole podcast and let people like what they like. Mm-hmm. You don't know without having a conversation with someone context of anything. My context is mine. That's the one thing that I do have control over. So like, if I want to go and throw weight around, you don't need to know what my goals are. I still get to take up space and be here just because my goals aren't the same as your goals. And I like things that you might not like, like, I really love heavy music and I am going to like, I want to lean more into that on my personal TikTok. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff that we enjoy. And if Aaron enjoys, and by the way, is impeccable at fashion, like I, yes. if I'm envious, I'm envious of, of your fashion sense because I have none. I wear but you also get to see me day. at my best where I like <laughs> decided today, I'm like, I'm not going to put any makeup on. I'm going to let my skin breathe. So you also get to see me. I love it. You get yeah. to see I the, the range, today, actually. <laughs> the full range. <laughs> but I just, I, I actually like, I did want to, I was going to not bring this up on the podcast, but I'm, I am going to bring it up. Like watching you grow into that and lean into the things that you enjoy being like a hundred percent authentically you, especially on that platform has made my heart so freaking happy. Um, I don't know if people understand like those things are important to you and they're the things that you really, really like and that you enjoy that are, you're passionate about outside of work. And it's Mm -hmm. important to be able to lean into those things and enjoy those things and flourish that way. I had a thought the other day where I want to get to the point in my life where I'm so unapologetic, unapologetically, just a hundred percent authentically me and never sorry for it. Yeah. I don't ever want to be sorry for being who I am just because someone, it may, it makes someone else uncomfortable because I like something that they don't like. I'm and, tired of living that way. And I don't like, and I, I don't say this, like, this is the stuff that I always feel. And, and this doesn't unfortunately just come from men. It also comes from women too, but like, it does feel that when people are threatened by something or when they don't understand their, their, their reaction is to lash out or the reaction is to bring you down, hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. And so I think of like what you have faced on TikTok where you're like, I just don't even want to, I just don't even want to come here. I just don't want to, I don't want to do lives. I don't want to be here because of things that people say to you and things that people say to you that are so untrue. Like, Mm -hmm. and I'm not just saying that, like, they're so untrue. It's like laughably untrue, but like people feel this need that when they see in the case of you and Sadie with Meathead Test Kitchen being very unapologetically who you are, when they feel like you aren't going to give them what they want, their reaction is to bring you down or Mm -hmm. attempt to. And the hard part that like the internet has really it concerns me quite a bit for younger generations. Yep. And I, I don't, I, I sound like my mom, but like, I mean it more in a way of like, I think there's a lot of value and purpose in social media. I'm still very like pro social mm-hmm. media. I just get very concerned with the way that like people are going to attach their identities to the things that people say about them online and allowing, the, allowing themselves to go down that path of like, that person is right. right. And Instead, that person who is saying it probably honestly just needs to go to therapy. Yeah. And that's the stuff that's like, I think when we start to see and we have these conversations, like I was actually thinking about this earlier today. I didn't grow up talking about mental health. Like it was not a thing like people, it was still very like, if you talk about needing to see a therapist you're crazy. That was right. the, like, that's the stigma. Now there's that stigma still exists, but it's definitely not like that now. Mm-hmm. And I would have never thought that I would post a TikTok telling people like, I haven't worked out in several months because my dog died. And I basically was like devastated to the point where I couldn't even get myself to like, couldn't even get myself to work out if I tried. Then my wedding hit and I used that in, as an excuse of like, well, I'm just busy. And then foot spring football happened. And I continue to use that as an excuse for like, well, I'm just busy. But like the reality was at my core, I had been very devastated by something. But like, if you had said to me 10 years ago, you're going to talk about, um, you know, mental health and the importance of working out and how that impacts you. I would have like been like, no, I won't because 
my fear would have been people would look at me like I'm crazy or mm-hmm. they would hyper-focus on the fact that I was saying I need to work out and then hyper-focus on saying, um, yeah, you definitely need to work out. Mm-hmm. Like that's the kind of stuff that my brain, like we thankfully things are starting to change and I'm so, so grateful for that. But at the same time, like we still have so much work to do, but I hate that like so many people will, are going to attach their self-worth to the things that people say about them on the internet. And I don't want those people to be driven away, but we are going to drive people away from spaces where we really need their voices. I saw, um, I was producing another podcast the other day and they had a a doctor on that was talking about, you know, Gen Z and, and the things that they struggle with. And one of the things that she mentioned was that they struggle a lot with the constant pursuit of perfection because of social media you feel like you constantly have to be perfect and you can't make any mistakes because if you do, because you live so much of your life online that you're going to be criticized for not being perfect. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that does concern me. Um, I, I don't think that in the near future, we'll be able to conquer all of the people who are just miserable and find joy in nitpicking and making fun of and bringing other people down. But the one thing that I think is important, like if we do some of the work that we need to do on ourselves to be comfortable in our own skin, that helps like leaps and bounds. Like, yes, people are going to say mean things to you in real life and on the internet. I know it's more prevalent now on the internet, but knowing yourself to your core and knowing that those things are not true and that those people are miserable and are, you know, if you... (laughs) The thing that I found is if you exude confidence in any way, some internet troll is going to find you and try to make you feel not confident. Mm-hmm. Being confident is not a bad thing. No. And I think, you know, I think that's probably to bring this all full circle and we can, we have so much that we need to like dive into on mm-hmm. this because to bring this full circle, I think, especially when I look at like what's been happening in women's basketball specifically yeah. is I, I want everyone to pay attention to this. And this is, this is where I will leave my thought on this for now, but I need people to watch the vilification of Sedona Prince. And what I mean by that is I noticed something the other day, she is starting to be vilified. And I'm not talking about the people who just disagreed with her and her perspective a year ago, when she started calling out the NCAA, I'm not talking about that. I've noticed as her star has started to rise and as she is getting more and more attention and you have uh, people like Sue Bird and you have people like Megan uh, Rapino, and you have people like um, she's, she's been sharing a, like she was at the WNBA draft mm-hmm. on Monday as her star is starting to rise and more and more people are wanting to join forces with her she is starting to be met with people who are, who are wanting to bring her down. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think this is kind of my point is what watch, keep an eye on this because Sedona is now hitting a point where she is going to have to overcome a very different type of troll. She is going to have to overcome the people that are now going to turn on her because they don't like to see people find success. Yep. So, I mean, it's, that's, that's the reality of this space for women is you're damned. If you're, if you do, you're damned. If you don't, if you are Sedona and you're speaking up against the NCAA, you're met with people who um, call you ungrateful and call you all kinds of names for calling out injustice. Mm -hmm. When you start to see success from that, when you, people start recognizing your success and start wanting to bring you along with it, the people, there are people who will then start attacking you for that because how dare you move into a space where you have all of these other powerful people wanting to be associated with you and you're a sellout and you're this and you're that and you're no longer you can't be good at basketball like I saw people coming after her that she was the reason Oregon lost so early in the tournament because if she had just cared more about the game and not about everything else I'm telling you watch the vilification of Sedona Prince because it is now in it is now switching. Yeah. Um, it is now switching from a place of like just haters because of what she stands for to haters because they don't like her popularity and they don't like what 
they don't like the attention she is receiving. Yeah. People and people can be successful and it doesn't have to affect you. And it doesn't actually affect you in any way. It doesn't. Um, I've never met her before, but I guarantee you just because I can, I mean, I know that social media, you show what you show, whatever, but she comes across to me as one of the most authentic, uh, authentic persons out there that are in the spotlight currently. I saw a video of her the other day and a dad brought his daughter Mm -hmm. to come see her. And he had, and she had just come out to their family like the day before. And he was like choked up because he knew how much it meant to his daughter to meet her. Like there is good in this world and it doesn't have to, people's light don't have to dim just because of jealousy or envy or any of those things. People can, can live their lives and, and do good things. And they, and like, you don't need to say anything about it. No. And that's, that's, I think where we can leave this episode is just celebrate people, allow people to shine and understand that like them shining doesn't dim your light. Like you, you are no less because of someone else's success. You will find your path. You will find your success. And I think when we look at like where women's sports has grown or where women in sports have grown, but where it has come from, but where it can still go. I think there's still a lot of belief that like growth in this area is going to take away. And it's not, we're just looking to build. And I just encourage everyone. Like if you are, if you are thinking about other people, just focus on yourself, be supportive. And you know what? Not everyone's going to be your cup of tea. So if if you don't like somebody because they just don't vibe with you, cool. Like that is fine move on. There are so many other people out there that you will vibe with, but you don't need to tear other people down because that's just like unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Unnecessary. But well, we are happy to be back. We will, Mm. we will either be back next week or the week after, uh, just bear with us for a little while. It's partially now because of me and my inconvenient eye. Um, but we do love to hear from you. So feel free to send us an email at mind your own podcast at hillvarsity.com or you can just tweet at us at Aaron Sorensen at Sasha 72. We do really, really enjoy hearing from you. So even if like we have some skips and episodes, please still reach out. Um, it, it means a lot for us to, to just have that conversation. So thank you for bearing with us, uh, and the construction and (laughs) our schedules, but we will be back promise soon and we'll get back on schedule. Yes. We'll get back on schedule. So thank you. We'll talk to you later. Bye. A Huda Media Production.